protesting or anything, but they really think that these things rising up, they're doing something, and God's gonna pull back the cover. You know, I just had the images and gonna find some old white grandma back in the country on her knees, and some old black grandma over here in Mississippi on her knees, and some old grandpa and saying, Lord, help them. Raise up a generation. Help them see it, Lord. God go pull back the cover. Y'all think it's these folk out front? No, it's some folks on their knees that you don't, you don't even know about. Crying out before God. Standing on his word saying, God, no, you said. No, God, you said. No, God, you said. I know what it looks like right now. I know people pay attention to that, but God, I know what you said. Amen. Yes, I tell my church all the time, I cannot wait to get to heaven to find those people who don't even know me who pray for me. Because, see, I know some folks saw me and said, Lord, help that boy. Because if he don't change, he's going down the wrong. I know, I know some people. I know my grandmama prayed for me. I know my mama prayed for me. I know people prayed for me. See, when you hear somebody say, I'm tired of praying, they don't know God. I just got to tell the truth. See, I tell my church all the time, I love you enough to tell you the truth at the risk of you getting mad with me. Because I'm not going to have it on my conscience. That you're going to walk out here in this world and something I should have told you. I can't have you coming back to me and saying, Pastor, why didn't you tell me? How did you send me out here without that information? I just give it to you. You, you got to choose. I can't make you do it. But if you can stand here and keep listening to me put out this truth and don't change, don't think I'm gunning for you because I'm not. I'm just telling the truth. Yeah. Amen? Whether you agree with it or not. See, the truth, you know what makes the truth true? No one has to agree to it for it to be right. You just have to agree to it for it to benefit your life. Truth stands on its own. I don't have to defend God's truth. He created the world. I just need to tell you what it is. Amen? Just give you something to think about. You know, when you, when you go to the doctor and you hurting, do you ask the doctor about his background? No, doc, give me something. I'm hurting. That's where we are today. Don't need to know the background. You hurting. Let me tell you how. Because if you focus on the background and don't take the medicine, what's going to happen? Amen? Yeah. You know, I have an Xfinity remote at home. A what? Xfinity. It's, it's cable. Y'all know cable? And the remote. The remote is slick, Anthony. You talking to it. Mm. You push a button and you talking to it. Mm. And it changed the TV for you. Even go on YouTube for you. Amen? Amen? I don't care about the intricacies of how it works. I don't care who invented it. I don't care about the background. I don't care about where it comes from. I just need to know, how does it work? It will do something for me. It will aid me. It will help me in the words the same way. See, some of y'all are going too deep. You can't even get out your own way. You won't know all the intricacies, and God just saying, listen, will you just say what the words say, and it'll set you free. Yes, yes, sir. Amen? So we're going to make this confession together today before I get started. And I trust that the word of God, I'm here to set you free. I'm not here to get on anybody. But if it hits you, just take it. Amen. I don't pull any punches. 
You know, my mama taught me a long time ago, you know, I just, it's better to just deal with truth. She said, boy, because if you tell a lie, you got to tell another lie to keep up with that lie. Then you got to tell another lie to keep up with that lie. And then you got to remember all the lies that you told. And I just figured out that's just too much work. Let me just tell you the truth and you can deal with it. And then if you come back to me, I just say, I told you what I told you. Amen. So let's make this confession together. Say this with me. I will continue in the words of Christ. I will be a disciple indeed. I will know the truth. And the truth will set me free. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father God, I thank you for the anointing to stand and feed in the strength of you. And I thank you, Father, that this morning the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you flows. That as we dig into the word, the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened. And we'll know what you've called us to do. We'll know the rich inheritance that belongs to us in Christ. And we'll know this exceeding great resurrection power that works in and for us as believers. And I thank you, Father, that you confirm this word with signs following not only in this service, but throughout our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Go with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 14. I mean, there's no 14, chapter 4, verse 18. If you think there's 14 chapters in 2 Timothy, you're in trouble. <laughs> 2 Timothy 4, verse 18. Um, Pastor Jordan asked me to come, and before I could, thank you, sir, for allowing me to come. Thank you, Mom, for believing in me and trusting in me. And, and again, Church on the Rock, thank you for loving us. Your, your love has rescued us. Don't ever forget that. Please don't. Don't ever forget that. If somebody try to tell you folks don't appreciate things, you just remember Pastor Avin told you your love, your love for God, your love for the word, your diligence has been a rescue to us. Amen. Hallelujah. And so uh, Pastor Jordan asked me to come, and then we were just talking. Actually, he called me. I thought he was calling me just to check on me because he does that. And so I was just saying, hey, how are you? And we were just talking, and then the next thing you know, I got to talking about what I was sharing with our church. And he said, well, that's one of the reasons why I was calling you. And fast forward maybe a couple of weeks ago when this tragic thing occurred in Minnesota, I had some friends, you know, I post things on social media, and I had a good friend, it, it just, and he's a minister, and he said some things, and it just, it bothered me, not in the sense that it grieved me as much as it is, it's like, Lord, how do I encourage your people? Because we should be sending things out to people to encourage their faith. So what I'm saying to you today, I'm not speaking for every black person. I want you to understand that. I'm just here to tell you how the word of God helped me think different. That, that's my goal, and encourage you and to remind you of who you are and whose you are. That's my focus. Amen? So I may say some things. Uh, you know, I think this way, and I've been called by black people, Coon, Uncle Tom, you name it. I don't want to go through all of that. I'm just going to keep you on the word because I think differently. My wife told me a long time ago, she said, you just think different. And I've been going upstream all my life, so this is fine. 
Amen. I just have. I've just, just all my life, I've been different from everybody else. And thank God I had a mama and a daddy that told me it's okay to be different. Matter of fact, I used to come home crying sometimes, and, and my mom would tell me two things. She said, number one, Jesus died on the cross. Who are you? Ooh, that put it in perspective. Yeah, that's tight. But it's right. And then she said, boy, let me tell you something. They're going to talk about you if you do right. They're going to talk about you if you do wrong. And some people just don't like you, and they don't have to give you a reason. So you might as well just do right. So, you know, that's, that's, kind of, that's how I grew up. So my parents gave me real thick skin. Amen? They gave me a mindset. So if you hear it from a perspective, I'm just trying to help young people. See, I'm 48. To give you an idea, so I believe I can help those who are a little bit older than me and help those that are younger than me. I'm 48. I was born in 1972. My great-grandmother, Louise Washington, my, matter of fact, let me give it to you this way. My grandmother, if I showed you a picture of it, and back in her day, she had passed as white. She grew up on a sharecropper farm in Girard, Georgia. So I'm old enough to remember some of those things, and yet I'm young enough to experience the benefit of it. So I'm not speaking from a place of ignorance. I understand some things. I'm in touch with what, what happened before, and I know what's now. And what I found out is what I'm going to share with you. What I found out from the Word is nothing new. But the main thing I found out from the Word is this. I win. <laughs> No matter what you do, I win. You can stack two decks, and I still have all the jokers and the aces because I win. Amen? So I, I want to encourage you. In that. My great-grandmother was born in 1906. Give you an idea. That's just regenerations. That's not that far back. See, I know some of you young people think that's far back. When you get my age, you realize, you know, I used to think 40 was old <laughs> until I became 40. Yeah, I'm like you, Brother Joe. I can't believe I'm 40, <laughs> you know. And I remember something my father always told me. He said, boy, that's the way he said it. He said, I was just like you before I got just like this. <laughs> my dad would always say stuff like that. <laughs> Amen. So I want to encourage you today. I'm not here to get on anybody. I'm here to encourage you to look to the word of God because that is your help. Look to the Holy Ghost. He will give you wisdom how to navigate these things. And I'm here to place blame squarely on the shoulders of the devil and nobody else. If there's anybody I'm mad with, I'm mad with the devil. And I'm going to straighten him out today. Amen. And if you'll let me, I just won't help you. I'll hope you. Y'all know, know what it means to be hoped? See, if I help you, it's just for the day. Hope is in the future. So if I hope you, I give you something for your future. You know, like the song said, I, I love that song. And your family and your children and their children and their children. This is what's going to do for you. Amen. So when I heard these responses on social media, I said, God, what can I do to help your people? Because, God, I know where it comes from. And I know it's not going to change. And I know that surprised some of you, but it's not. 
Because as long as you have a devil and people with a free will who are willing to yield to that junk, that's what you're going to have. But there's hope. I told you, you always win. Amen. So I said, God, what can I do to encourage your people? I want to help your people because people were looking for the church to respond. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, what do you mean? How do I respond? I've been teaching you before this got here. What do you mean? How do you respond? What you been learning? See, people think they're supposed to get something new. Amen. See, I found out something. My, my grandfather ran a garage off about an eighth grade education on his own garage in the 50s and the 60s, African-American from Huntsville, Alabama. I later found out from my uncle that my grandfather was one of the first black master mechanics at U.S. Pipe and Foundry. He worked, I didn't know he worked on forklifts, too. My grandfather was a very skilled mechanic, but I learned something from my grandpa about stuff being new. See, we think we have to come up with something new because a new problem come up with, you, you know, comes up or pops up. And so for some of you folks that maybe have never turned a wrench, back in those days, General Motors, Pontiac, Chevrolet, parts were interchangeable. And they worked with standard parts. And it seemed like a standard bolt back then was a 916 wrench because I was always helping my grandpa. And he said, boy, respect that, give me that 916. But I found out something about that wrench. Not only would it put things together, it would take things apart, it would fix things, same 916. Every time a new car come in, maybe a different year, maybe a little slightly different model, but guess what he used to fix it? 916. Amen. And later on, I found out that that 916 would take the knobs off of grandma's radio in her car. <laughs> because I wanted to be like dad and grandpa would take things apart. So she'd tell my boy, she, and she would say, little Alvin. Because I'm named after my father. He was big Alvin. I didn't like little. I still don't like little today. <laughs> but she would do that to tease with me. But what I'm showing you is this. The word will work for every problem, every situation. Just like a good old 916. Amen. But you got to know how to use it. A 916 in the hands of grandpa will feed the family. A 916 in my hands at that time would tear up a car. Which one you won't be? You understand where I'm coming from? So I said, God, what do I tell you people? He said, tell my people they are delivered from every evil work. Every. 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 And what you're seeing is a manifestation of evil working. It manifests in racism. Because I asked God, I said, God, help me. Because it's not just the racism. We got people that want to sell our babies dope. We got people who want to take our daughters off into prostitution. We got f professors in the university yeah. teaching faith out, right out yeah. of our children under the guise of education. God, it's, it's evil working on every hand. How do I help them? He said, you tell them. They're delivered from every evil work. So that's what we're going to read first. Amen. You are delivered. Say this with me. I am, I am delivered, delivered from every evil work. Every evil work. Every evil work. Every, every means every. Yes. every. 
Amen. Nothing left out. If that means if something comes up new, if a new method come up, guess what? It includes that too. Amen. God just gave you a good old spiritual all-you-can-eat buffet in that scripture right there. You can make it work for whatever you need it to work if you'll work it. Amen. See, that's what, what did you learn? That's how you respond. What did you learn? Either you believe it or you don't. Amen. The day I, I never will forget it, 1997, I started learning about who I was in Christ. See, I heard all my life, you got to be twice, you got to work twice as hard to be considered half as good. See, these are things we heard. And some things my mother taught me to protect me. Not that she hated people. Do you understand me? Because, because you know, you didn't get the benefit of the doubt. So I was taught, you go to the store, and if anybody around my age or young, you know there's two things you got to leave with. Number one, a receipt. Number two, a bag. That's what we were taught. Don't go to just look around. Don't put your hands on anything. See, these are things that were taught to us to keep us safe. Not that we hate people. Amen? And then I was disciplined. Amen? My, my great-grandmother used to, used to discipline her boys, and I know this may sound harsh to people, but this is just the way it was. She said, I'm going to beat you so the police don't have to. I love you. They'll kill you. See, some things my mom realized that it wasn't about people, it was just about evil. And so she said, let me teach you what's right, because what's right is right, and right yes. always went out. Yes. And so let me teach you this so you stay safe. Because yes. some things, see, sometimes people don't know they violate spiritual laws. Mm -hmm. And see, they blame it on a manifestation of evil, but if they would have made decisions to not violate spiritual laws, that evil would have no way to get to them. What 1 John 5 says? The wicked one touches us not. So you what 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 wicked coming don't bother me? You can't touch me. Come on. Y'all remember that MC Hammer song, Can't Touch This? Do you follow what I'm saying? You're delivered from every evil work. Every one of them. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Go to James chapter 3. Here's the thing you got to understand because I want to give you practical things you can do from the word which you already know. Well, which you already know. I'm not telling you something new. I'm here to encourage you. Work it. Work it. It's not going to break. Work it. Amen. Use it. Amen. We have a saying in our household, you know, people, the last time I had to purchase a car, my last car had 300 and about 15,000 miles on it. And they said, man, that's, that's, that's a lot of miles, man. I said, the Parker household is this. I'm not one of those people who baby a car. It's bought to be driven. And our family motto is, we drive them till the wheels fall off. And when they fall off, I go buy four more and put them on again. <laughs> And if it can't be driven, it need to stay at the lot because I'm going to drive it. <laughs> Amen. My wife will tell you, if I buy a new pair of shoes, I'm subject to wear them out of the store. <laughs> so I use my stuff is what I'm saying. If you give it to me, I'm going to use it. Yes. 
If it's new, why use the old when I have the new? See, some, see, God gave you a new way of thinking that'll set you free, bring you into prosperity, keep you healed, keep you delivered, keep your family safe. Why would you use the old way of thinking? It don't have any of that. You know, when I was a kid, I got a new toy. I forgot about the old ones. God gave you some new things. But you keep remembering the old. Mm-hmm. I'm going to set you free today. Well, no, I'm going to help you see that you're already free. Because Jesus is the one that set you free. I just want to help you see that you're already free. I decided a long time ago that I was not going to wait until uh, people change how they think about me before I decided to live free. I'm just going to live free. Because your thinking may not ever change. But that don't change what Jesus did for me. <laughs> you can't stop it. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So James chapter 3 verse 16 says, For where envy and strife is, there is what? Confusion and what? Every evil work. So do you want evil to work and confusion to come or do you want peace? If you want peace, you got to stay out of strife. Amen. 1 Corinthians 14 33 tells us that God is not the author of confusion but of what? Peace. So if see, because here's what people will do. They'll say, God, come work in it. Work, Lord. Work, Lord. And then you make comments that produce strife. God's not going to work in that. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Yes, Lord. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Your fight is not with people. Never has been and never will be. To fight with people, listen to me closely, to fight with people in the flesh is like taking a knife to a spiritual gunfight. You're going to lose every time. Your fight is never with people. Never. We're what? Spirit, soul, and what else? Body. I just happen to live in a black house. I know it's black. You got to tell me. But my inheritance is in Christ. I'm in him. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, if Jesus came down today and said, okay, I want the church, all the black people to stand over here, all the white people to stand over here, all the Asians to stand over here, the Italians and the Irishmen, and then I want the church to stand over here. Which land are you going to get in? You follow what I'm saying? You got to make a choice. So I figured out Jesus took my black card a long time ago. You know, the black card, you know, I'm sorry. For, for those who may not be familiar with the term black card, anytime, I'm just going to give it to you like this. Anytime black people don't think like the majority of black people, folks want to revoke your black card. But you can take it. You can, you can have it. I got everything I need in Christ. I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. God gave me everything that pertains to life and godliness. Jesus became poor for my sake that I might become rich. He gives me the victory. He gives me peace. Well, I mean, you keep your little stinking black card. Keep it. Because every time I try to swipe it in the store where it says faith, it goes decline. 
I know that may make some people upset, but what good has it done you? Really, I mean, what good has it done you? Here's something I figured out. You turn into Ephesians 6? Because I'm going to tell you, your fight's not with the flesh. Here's the one thing that helped me get over some things. I'm going to go back to that 1997. I haven't forgotten. But I found out in Hebrews that God forgives my iniquities and my sin he will not remember anymore. Now, there's some things I've done in my life y'all don't know anything about that is under the blood, and thank God it is, and it's going to the grave with me. So if God covered those things in the blood of Jesus and will not remember it anymore, what do I look like holding your stuff against me? I don't care how mad everyone else is. I don't care how much of a license someone gives me to feel some type of way because it's been 400 years. If my sin is under the blood and God said, I'm, 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 it's gone, I'm, I'm not remembering it. He said, I will not remember it. It didn't say he didn't have the ability to remember it. He said, I will not. So if God will not remember it, what am, who am I to hold a whole nation against something? To really to tell you the truth, I, I, won't, I didn't go through slavery. I know the ancestors did, but I didn't. God knew I couldn't have been born back then. I'd have died within a day. <laughs> Amen? Because he knew I'd run. God knew I could not sit there in the 60s and watch somebody let a dog turn loose on me. He knew. I, he, he knew. He knew. He said, boy, let me put you right here at the end of this because you won't make it if I had put you right here. He knew. Amen? I'm just trying to help us today. So who am I to hold anything against anybody? Who am I to withhold forgiveness when God has freely given it to me? Freely that I have received, I'm going to give it. I don't want to be tormented. I, I don't like torment. Amen. I don't like my pinky toe hurting. So I know I'm not going to like torment. Do you follow what I'm saying? Because if we really want reconciliation, I'm talking to the black people in the church, you're going to have to forgive them. You're going to let it go. God let go of your stuff. See, all you got to do is ask yourself this one question. Do I want God to pull my stuff back out? You know, back when, wherever. Some of you starting to sweat now. <laughs> but do you understand? Know I don't want God pulling my stuff back out. I'm not for this pulling people's pass out and shaming them because anybody can pull my pass out. I got some. Thank God is under the blood. That's why Jesus came. If anybody that's really been done wrong, it's Jesus. The chastisement of our peace was on him. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do, what did he do wrong? And some of you received it, you still act like you don't have any sense. Ooh. Hallelujah. Faces don't bother me. Folk been looking at me strange for a long time. 
You good. I understand. You processing it. Amen. You don't have to tell me I'm preaching good. I know I am. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know why? Because it's the word. That's why. I'm not that smart. God is. He just make us smart. Ephesians 6, 11 says, but put on the whole arm of God. You there? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What? For we wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood. You don't wrestle against that. See, you, now you don't even have to ask that deep philosophical question. Where did all this come from? You're not wrestling against flesh and blood. I'm going to show you where it comes from. He said we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So if you're dealing with flesh, you're fighting a low-level battle. Amen. Go to Romans chapter 8, verse 5 to 7. I'm going to read this to you from the, from the Passion Translation. Your fight is not with flesh and blood. And the moment you take on the flesh, you remove yourself from God's plan and you remove yourself from his best. The moment you start responding out of your flesh, I'm going to show you what happens. Romans 8, 5 through 7. The moment you take on a mindset of the flesh and don't take on a mindset of the spirit, you remove yourself from God's best. Hallelujah. See, how do I live above this? How do I navigate this? The word and the spirit. It's the anointing that destroys the yokes and removes the burdens. You know what the real fear is about racism? You're going to keep me from living a good life because you hate me. Who said that? See, you know, Dr. Hatterbaugh called me, my twin brother. He called me just to talk. He calls and checks on me, too. A lot of, a lot of the pastors in, in our company, we call and check on one another. And he called. We were just talking, and he was disturbed by it, too, because we both grew up in the inner city. And I, and I said, you know, and he was talking about, he said, Pastor, you know, it's, it's sad that people don't give black folks the benefit of the doubt, you know, that when they see somebody, they, uh, you know, they kind of get a little nervous. I said, well, hold on, hold on for a minute, Dr. Hatterbaugh. We think that way too. You don't feel comfortable going down a street in the inner city? I don't feel comfortable going down the back road of Texas. But especially if it get dark. See, we had that, see, the enemy has played the thoughts on both sides. I said, but you know something, Dr. Hatterbaugh? Here's the one thing I figured out from the word. Everything I thought that Racism took from me. Jesus gave it back. I found that out in the Word. Jesus gave it back to me. I said, you know, when I, when I found that out, I remember I was working for a major company, and I really got a hold of that. 1997, I wrote a little short essay in an email, and I, it was during Black History Month, February 1997, and I wrote an email to some friends of mine because I was so excited about what I found out from the Word, and I titled it, you could keep your 40 acres in a mule. Because I found out I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. I found out the blessing that God's power gives me the power to get wealth. I found out that I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. So I said, you owe me anything. Just give me my freedom to serve my God and speak words of faith, and I can take it from there. God not got it from there. I don't need you to do anything else. You don't owe me no apology. If you want to apologize to somebody, that's fine. But Jesus made up for it. Yes. 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 
See, we got to get to the point, and, and I'm, I'm speaking to, to, to the black folks here, we got to speak up to the point to where we deal with it in our private conversation. When folk make derogatory, derogative comments about white people. I just had an interesting conversation in the barbershop Friday. I have plenty of them. I do. I have plenty of them. Don't bother me. You still at Romans 8, 5, 7? Let me read that to you and I'll tell you the story. Romans 8, 5, 7 says, Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue, I'm reading from the Passion Translation, those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. So you don't care about anybody else, just yourself. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the mindset of the flesh is death. But the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. Maybe some people are tired because they're taking on the wrong mindset. My mama was born in the height of civil rights. She was a young adult. And she, she told me this. She said, I'm tired of talking about it. And she, she, airs on, she stays on the side of personal responsibility because that's what she taught us. She said, you should not hear protests. Go get your babies out the street. They're tearing up things. You know, that's just where we come from. So I don't, I don't you know, like I said, I don't speak for every black person. I don't, you know, I don't know how they think. I'm just trying to show you what helped me. Amen? So you can't make people pay for stuff in your life that they didn't do. People, see, here's the thing. Here's what bothers me. Some people, maybe even in this church, you had people that treated you nice, kind, with love and respect. I know I have. So you're not going to sit up around me and talk about what white folk do when I've had white people in my life treat me better than, than black folks I ever seen. You know, most of the hurt that came in my life came from folk that looked like me, that I trusted. And I told my wife, I said, you know, sweetie, if I look at every stage of my life, someone lied to me, someone hurt me, someone disappointed me, I have to believe in the love of God. Because if not, I want to run around and crack everybody in the jaw. Do you understand me? People love people. You should want people to just love you regardless of what color they look like. Brother Les Flock, I remember, what, what was it, about 10 years ago, Miss Mary, I, you know, they invited me into their home when we did that men's meeting, and you and I said, wow, we talked for a good while about this very issue. Man invited me into his home, fed me, fed me good. Miss Mary could cook, y'all. There's a lot of y'all in here that could cook. But what I'm saying, the love, the support. Amen? You don't forget those things. That's what's real. And it has no color. I know we all different colors, but where, where's the love? The heart. See, it's a heart issue. Yes. Always has and always will be. You know what I told my church? See, I'm, I'm covenant-minded. Amen? Because, see, here's, here's my thought process. I, I told my church this, and we're, most of my people in my church are black. I said, I see how some of y'all treat your mamas, your daddies, your children. And you think I'm going to think you're going to be having allegiance towards me because of a skin color? When you treat your own flesh and blood that way, i got to have a covenant. Yeah, I know it's tight. 
Why do, what makes someone betray their own family? What makes someone mistreat their own parent? It's a heart issue. It has nothing to do with skin color. And if you keep it that way, you, you know why you can't have any peace? Men love darkness more than they love light. That's, it's, it's, not that, it's not that simple. Yes, it is. The enemy mm -hmm. wants you to think it's that complicated. Mm -hmm. But the devil will kill you with toilet paper if you let him. <laughs> what am I saying? He will use whatever he can use to get you off track. And the devil loves to steal your lunchbox and make you think God did it or someone else did it just as long as you don't know he did it. And people been going for this okey-doke, this 52 fake for the longest. Y'all know what 52 fake is? It's old football players, a misdirection. Amen? So don't go for the 52 fake. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Go to Mark chapter 7. Oh, let me tell you, you want to hear this barbershop story, don't you? Well, it's a couple of them. In Nashville, you will, uh, that, you know, where I go get my hair cut, it's not uncommon to actually meet people who actually sat at the, Nashville is rich with black history and civil rights movement. So it's not uncommon to actually meet someone who was actually a part of that and sat at those lunch counters. And I had an interesting conversation with an older gentleman, uh, who, who actually sat at the lunch counters and was beaten. And at all, all the conversation started from was from a simple statement. I was not, you know, I was raised, I, I, dis, I don't disrespect my elders. I, I say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, no, sir, no, ma'am. Listen, I don't even care if you say, baby, it's okay, you could come. Nope, mm-mm. Nope. Mm -mm. nope. I know what my mama told me, nope, mm-mm. <laughs> yep. But, you know, he made the statement, said something about insurance, and, you know, I sold insurance. I have my own business. I, I know it inside and out about things. And, and I just simply told the gentleman, I said, just to help try to educate people, I said, you do know your employer does, is not required to give you insurance and pay for it. You do know that. I said, they do it to be competitive because they know it's part of a benefits package. I said, but if people really had, because I've seen the cost, I've gotten the commission checks from it. If people really had to buy their own insurance and their employer didn't pay for it, it's a lot of folks wouldn't have it. Because they don't, not because they can't afford it, they don't want to pay that much for it. And so he got huffy and puffy. You must be a Republican. I said, I am neither a Republican nor a Democrat. I'm for what's right. Oh, then he found out I was a preacher. <laughs> and he just, you know, basically, he was pretty much calling me a sellout. And so I just respectfully, and I said, sir, because, you know, I'm for peace. And I said, sir, I said, I, I, I'm not saying anything to dis, trying to disrespect you. I appreciate the sacrifices you made. I said, but can I ask you one question? He said, sure, because I actually took an African-American studies class in college. And so they, it's things that they teach. And I said, you know, I've read The Stolen Legacy. I've read things about African civilizations being so advanced and having all these advancements and really smart people. He said, yeah. You know, you could tell he started getting a little pride. I said, but can I ask you one question? Because, see, I'm thinking from a Bible perspective. I know it's a heart issue. So I said, uh, 
Since we were so smart, can you answer me one question? He said, sure. I said, how did the dumb old white man that y'all call him come over here and take off millions of us if we were so smart, if somebody in there originally wasn't complicit? I said, you know what that would be like? He said, what? I said, that would be like Cambodia coming to the United States and saying, we're going to take the whole state of New York with us, New York City and all. How could they do that? unless somebody allowed it. I said, so to me, sir, I don't see it that way. I see it as a heart issue. And the only way you can fix a heart issue is to put Jesus in it. Oh, he was hot as fish grease. You know, fish grease is hot. Amen. And so, you know, and, and he, was a, he was a Christian. But he would not, he wouldn't even shake my hand. So I had to just leave him. It bothered me so much that I, he gave me a card. I even wrote him an email, no response. I really was, I wanted him to see that. I, I, I can remember another conversation because, see, I hear these things. But as a pastor, I know the answer. The answer is the word. And if people really want the answer, they'll do it. See, that's a hard conversation for me to have because for a lot of, if you're African-American men and women know this, for, for a lot of people, the barbershop is a safe place. It's a no free, you know, and it's no holes barred in the barbershop. You know, if you walk in the middle of some of those conversations, you would think people getting ready to come to blows, but we really just talking. <laughs> Amen. So, you know, you got to have some thick skin and you got to be bold to speak up in the barbershop because they're going to let you have it. Amen. So I remember another conversation having with uh, Coach Krull. Uh I can't remember Coach Krull's right, uh first name right now, but he was the first African-American to play for Paul Bear Bryant. He was the first African-American. At the time, he was hit, uh, receivers coach with the Titans, and my barber cuts his hair. And he was, the, he was the first African-American head coach in the SEC, Coach Mississippi State. He sat down and talked to us for about two hours. And one thing he said that struck me, you thought he'd have talked a lot about race, but he talked about how his, his, uh, his grandfather, so he was raised by his grandparents, and he would ask his grandfather, he said, you know, how did you make it? And this was interesting that he said that he said, his grandfather told him, he said, I go to work. I take that check, and I come home, and I give it to your grandmama. And she would take 10% and put it in the church. And we would make it off the rest. And I said, Coach Crone, I said, that's just it. I said, most of us, I said, that didn't have anybody that age that we could talk to to get that wisdom. I said, let, let me explain. I said, show, show our hands of the guys. It was about 15 or 20 of us. He talked to us for two hours. I so enjoyed that conversation. And I said, how many of you in here have, a, have a, someone 65 or older that you can have a conversation with and get wisdom? It wasn't but two people in that whole barbershop that had that kind of access. I was one of them, and my barber was the other. And he said this at the end of the conversation because he was talking about the race thing, and he said, I really don't think it's going to get better till my generation dies off. Since the pain's too deep. He won't let it go. I, I think that's, a, that's, a, that's the wicked trick of the enemy. 
that you can't benefit what you fought for in your latter years because you want to hold on to the pain? We got to do better, church. Amen? Because, uh, okay, God has people that want to help you. Be in Mark chapter 7. I got so I can tell you so many stories because I think they're relatable. I remember one time I was selling insurance and this older white gentleman, he owned a real estate company. And I found out he was a believer. And so we would talk, you know, that I was I was uh, selling uh, I was selling Aflac. Y'all remember the Aflac Dutch? That's how I got started. And so when you go and cold calling, y'all know what cold calling is? That means you're not, you, you, you asking to get your foot in the door. I had one dude say, man, if you come back here one more time, he cussed me out. He said, I'm going to do, you know, it's rough. So you just got to get up and keep going. Amen. You know, when you got to eat and you're barely hungry, you, you just get up and keep going. Amen. But I remember every so often I would stop by this gentleman's office and talk to him. We just talk about the word, talk about healing. Older white gentleman had to be about 60 or 70 years old. He was suffering from diabetes. I was trying to get him healed. You know, he was going, his sight was going in one eye, and we just talked. And one day, we would just talk about everything. And I think we even got on the race conversation, too. And uh, one day, he looked up, and he turned to me, and he said, you know, young man, I don't know this guy. I just talked to a few for a while. He said, if you ever want to get into real estate, he said, come see me. I'll pay for the class. I'll pay for your license. I'll pay for everything. As many black business owners as I've talked to, no one ever offered that to me. But here's what the Spirit of God spoke to me. He said, I got people like that all around who want to make things right. But you can't be offended to receive my help. To my to my. African-American people. I, and I even hate even splitting it up like this, but we got to address it. God got people who want to make stuff right. But if you're so particular about the package in which the help comes, you're going to miss out on a whole lot. See, some of you, God has given you models to follow. But because it don't look like you, skin color, you don't want to follow it. It still works. Be smart enough to take the help. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. What, what good has being mad gotten you? Right. You know, it's something my mama used to tell me because I used to get mad about stuff. She said, boy, don't cut your nose off to spite your face. <laughs> See, some of you doing that. The devil wants to push you out of this church because he know you're getting help. And you get mad. For what? For what? You get, you, listen, every day you wake up, you're going to have an opportunity to feel some type of way. And newsflash, everybody trying to tell you how to feel and what to think. Why do you think they're putting that stuff in front of you 24-7? At least I would let somebody tell me how to think that loves me and cares for me and want to help me. Want to help me. Every day you wake up, every day you walk out those doors, someone is going to try to influence you yeah. to think a certain way because they want to secure your decision. Yeah. You have to be smart enough to figure that out. Yeah. 
And the word will shed light onto it every single time. If you'll let the word govern how you think, how you respond, the decisions you make, the word will give you a different perspective. It yes. uncovers everything. Yes. Amen. Amen. If you look to do this with me, I'm going to give you an example to help you. Do this with me. Take your finger and do it like this. And squint one eye and look up here at me and see if I don't fit between your two fingers. I fit, don't I? But you know I really don't fit between those two fingers. What changes it? Perspective. Take the word of God and let it be your perspective. And understand this, you all. People's perception to them is their reality. So don't be, a, listen, don't be offended because people have that perception. That's their perception. Can I give you another tip? Go ahead. People have the right to believe whatever they want to believe. That don't bother me. What, what does your belief have to do with changing what I get from God? You know, Pastor Victoria and I, we like to share meals, and sometimes I have a piece of pie, and I ask her, so you want some of this pie? She said, no. I said, okay, good, more for me. <laughs> I don't get mad and say, you always don't want pie for me. <laughs> do I get upset? No, more for me. So you know what I do? I say, here's freedom for you. Mm -hmm. oh, I don't know about all that. I don't know. Okay, more for me. Go on with your good self. I'm going to go on with mine. Had another, you, you, you and Mark 7, I got to show you this where it comes from, and then I got to tell you a couple of things. These stories, are, you know, these stories keep coming up because I think they help. Mark 7 says this, verse 20. It says, and he said, Jesus is given a, a parable, and he's given an answer to it. I want you to see this. And he said, that which cometh out of them, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceitfulness, lasciviousness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from where? Within. You don't need no deep philosophical answer. It comes from within. You know why people don't want to deal with that? Because they mean everybody got to deal with their own stuff. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to deal with their own stuff. When you put it that way. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Let me read it to you from the Passion Translation. And he added, words and deeds pollute a person, not food. Evil originates from inside a person. Coming out of the human heart are evil schemes, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, treachery, debauchery, jealousy, slander, arrogance, and recklessness. All these corrupt things emerge from within and constantly pollute a person. It comes from within. It has not, listen, the same person that would put somebody in slavery, if they thought they could put their mom in slavery and make a buck from it, they'd do that too. Evil don't discriminate. It gets in where it fits in. And if you give it a place, it'll work in your life. Don't give it a place. 
It may exist, but we can live above it. And I'm going to show you how to live above it. You can live above it because go to, go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 because I want to help you something. I think we're fighting the wrong battle. People want to fight in racism. You can't end it. Because not everyone is going to receive Jesus into their heart. Jesus even said that. That's why he gave you the conditions of what happens when you believe and what happens when you don't. So when somebody don't believe, I don't fall out. I just keep preaching. <laughs> he told me they wouldn't. See, either the word is what it is or it's not. I like, I like that song of Pastor Diana bring up by G.E. Patterson. The Bible's right. Somebody's wrong. See, if I fight, this is the wonderful thing about God. He gives you the truth straight up and down. And you can tell how merciful and how wonderful God is because he says, if you find your wrong, yourself on the wrong side of truth, he said, come plead your case. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. So if I find myself on the wrong side of truth, I just get on the right side of it. That's why Jesus shed his blood so we could have the opportunity to get on the right side of the truth. Amen. And last time I checked, Jesus didn't put a limiter on who he shed his blood for. So the dude out there talking about white power, Jesus shed his blood for him too. So what, what am I going to do if I'm in a protest and I see the guy at white power and then I get to heaven and he show up there? What am I going to say? No, Lord, let me out. I won't go to hell. I can't be up here with him. You're not going to do that. Huh? Right? What changes the heart? Jesus. And don't tell me you can't love. Don't you tell me that. What does Romans 5, 5 say? You know it. The love of God has been shared abroad in our hearts. By the Holy Ghost. I just can't forgive him. Oh, yes, you can. If you're born again, you can. Amen. You know, one of my confessions is the love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost who's given unto me. I can love like God. I'm kind like God. I'm merciful like God. I forgive like God. Because the love of God is shed abroad in my heart. You ever make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? You spread that peanut butter on both sides of that bread? I put it on both sides of my bread. Amen. And you can put the jelly in the middle. And no matter where you bite that sandwich, there's some peanut butter in it. See, that's what the love of God is like. Spread in your heart like peanut butter. No matter who takes a bite out of you, all this there is love. Do you follow what I'm saying? The love of God is in your heart. For, listen, now check this out. The love of God is in your heart by the Holy Ghost, right? Okay? And our faith does what? Works by what? Love. That's what Galatians tells us, right? And what does 1 John 5 tells us? Our victory over the what? World is our what? Our faith. And Romans 8 tells us that what? Nothing shall separate us from what? The love of God, which is where? In my heart, which causes my faith to work, which gives me the victory over the world. So if I don't let anything separate me from the love of God, nothing can separate me from the victory that overcomes the racism that's in this world. That's why you need to walk in love. Yes, sir. 
That's why you need to know it's in there because some people will have you to think, I can't forgive you. I can't forgive this too deep. No, you ain't spent 400 years. You're just 30. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? You didn't have any dogs turn loose on you. Can I share something with you? And it's not a dishonor to, keep, to move past it and move forward. You're not dishonoring those who made those sacrifices. Can I tell you a real important story? Y'all would like this. My Aunt Ruth marched in Selma, Alabama when King marched right beside him. And I always had this question because I found out some things in history. I just started thinking, you know what I mean? And what started this train of thought was the love of God in man's heart, that God moves on people to change things. And see, that started this thought process, and I started thinking, now, wait a minute. We don't make up. Black people didn't have the power to change anything. They're not in office. How did that happen? How did these changes happen? I said, God, you had to move on somebody's heart. And then I said, wait a minute, God. They were in a position of advantage. And then I started thinking, man, some people lost their inheritance. Some people had their homes raided. Some people died. See, it's a, it, it, see, they don't talk about it in black history. There is some white folks that's part of that black history that has made even some larger sacrifices because they were in a position of advantage and they were going against the status quo. How could they do that with that, that amount of pressure? It had to be the love of God working on them. It had to. And so I said, Mama, I got I to gotta ask Aunt Ruth about this because she marched. And you know what she told me? This, she told me out of her own mouth. My wife and I were sitting and she had this wonderful conversation with her. I said, Aunt Ruth, tell me about it. I said, why don't people talk about that? She said, my grandmother didn't want her to march because she was afraid for her life. And she said, let me tell you something. My nickname's Fat, so she said, Fat, let me tell you something. She said, we had white professors that bought us bus tickets. They paid for our hotels. They put us in their own cars. And she said, do you know they were hated more than black folks? I said, hey, Ruth, why don't they talk about that? She said, baby, I don't know. They, they just do simple math. Make up 13% of the population. What, what you going to put in control? That don't even make sense math-wise. If you just do two plus two, you know what I mean? See, I'm going to knock the devil in the head because he, he wants black people to think that white people don't care. And he wants white people to be afraid to say something for being accused of being a racist when they really have compassion. And all this foolishness, and you get on social media and say, if you don't speak up and say anything, you're complicit. Really? Really? Did you, let me give you a food for thought. Have you ever thought, have you ever thought that maybe they don't know what to say? And they're afraid to say something wrong and be insensitive? Maybe that's why they're quiet. Have you ever thought they're praying to God and saying, oh, Father, because I know people's heart. I know how they think, especially in this church. I know some people pray and say, Lord, how, what do I, how do I say it without hurting somebody? And they waiting on the answer. 
but yet you so all caught up in your own feelings that you sit up here and want to take this. Really? You're going to let somebody else put that thought in your head when you see how covenant they've been with you and now you want to get brand new because everybody else upset? When you didn't have, they gave to you. When you didn't have, they believed into you. They sold it to you, treated you well, made sure you were blessed, kept encouraging you. And now because of the rest of the world want to get mad about something, you want to flip the script? Really? Really? See, the love of God will have, will have compassion on both sides. Amen? Listen, we got, you know what? We can all move past it if we'll let it go. I forgive you. Let it go. And move on. Yes, there will be people. It's, it's, it's not going away, y'all. I was in the meeting when, when, when Dr. Jacob stood up and prophesied. He said, y'all better get ready. This race thing is coming back. Some of you just kept on watching the news instead of getting in the Word. Now it's here. And now you falling out and passing out because you didn't feed on what he told you to feed on. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's not going away, y'all. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to give you this. and I got, Can you give me, will you allow me some time? Because this is a place of miracles, signs, and wonders. You got to have love in it for it to work. Amen. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 5. I want to show you this. Listen, some people just won't endure sound doctrine. Don't let that bother you. And it's not going away, but you can live above it. It's not. I'm not saying that to preach doom and gloom. I'm saying that to, to put you in a, in a place to where you're confident in who you are in Christ and begin to work the word and teach this to your children. Yes, sir. See, I got sense enough to know this. In Luke chapter 4, when Jesus defeated the devil with the word, the Bible says that he left him for a season. <laughs> and when he tried to show up with Peter, what did he say? Get behind me. I know who you are. He manifested differently. You know, in the neighborhood where I come up from, when you whoop the bully and he walk across the street, you don't get scared. You want some more? Come on. I got something for you. Why? Because you know you already whooped him. So when you whoop racism with the word of God in your own life, when it starts to show up, you say, come on, I got some, I got some of this love for you. <laughs> I got some of this love. This love put it on you. It covers everything. You have to remember that. On both sides of the fence, you have to remember that. Do I want to hold something against someone when God doesn't hold it against me? Think about it this way, y'all. You've seen people in a relationship, and they've been hurt in a relationship, and every time the person tries to make amends, they just keep throwing it up in their face. What if God kept throwing your sin up in your face every time you came to him in prayer?
did that? What if, what if you tried to talk to God where you really needed some help, and God said, no, you cussed that grocery store worker out last week. I don't, I don't know about all that. Here it is, we have people try to come and make amends with us. And you want to make them pay for something their ancestors did? See, here's the perspective I put it in my mind. My daddy was a drug addict. I know he robbed some people. I know he stole from some people. What would it look like if somebody came to me and said, you owe me for what your daddy did? I didn't do it. I would be like, man, you better go home somewhere. <laughs> you should have dealt, that, dealt with him with that before he left here. I'm not responsible. Do you see how silly that sounds? So you mean to tell me you're going to try to make the people who are in front of you right now, who have done nothing but love you and treated you fairly, and even though there are other people that think different from them, you're going to make the people in your life pay for that? That's wrong. That's dead wrong. And I'll tell you to your face, you're wrong. They didn't do anything to you. It's one of the lessons my mother taught me about forgiveness and forgiving my father because she saw it on me. She said, boy, you better deal with that for that wind up coming out on somebody you didn't intend it to come out on. And if it's anybody that had a deep betrayal, that, that's deep when you when you see your father do some things that ain't right. And then you got to go sit in a courtroom and testify against him for the wrong he did. How to do a number on your head. Get drug out of school to go testify against your own daddy to put him in jail. See, I'm not telling you something I heard. I'm telling you something I know. I know what the word of God is. See, it brought me out of all that. Because I used to blame him. I used to say, if you'd have done this, if you'd have done this, I wouldn't have had to do this. No, the truth is, the bad I experience, a lot of it is my own decision making. And that's when I began to be set free. See, there's this thing called personal responsibility. And a lot of times people don't like to hear that. But it's the truth. Mm -hmm. I love y'all, man. Amen. And so we have to, so you have to ask yourself the question, you know, well, they may have done this, yeah, but what did Jesus do? Jesus gave it all back. Isn't that what Romans tells us in Romans chapter 5? That sin came upon those, even, though, even them who did not sin after the similitude of Adam? Did it not say that? But it said, where sin abound, what happened? Grace did what? Much more. So it made up the difference. Now, you could choose. You could take the grace that frees you from the sin, or you could sit up there and cry about what Adam did. But the truth of the matter is, what Adam messed up, Jesus gave back. So that tells me in my Bible, and then you can even look at, you go over there, what is it, Matthew, where Jesus is talking about, you know, Peter asked him, Lord, we left all and followed thee. What shall we get? That's what he said. What are we going to get? And he tells them what he's going to get, but then he gets down in that parable and he talks about how he comes and finds the workers standing. And he sends them to work and he said, I'll pay you. And then later on in the day, he said, come work. 
I'll pay you. And then at the end of the day, some people came last, and he said, I'll pay you. And then when he, get, when he told the workers, he said, pay them all beginning at the last. Pay them all the same thing. And, and one of the group got mad. Supposing, see, this is where some of y'all mess up. You suppose. Supposing that they would get more because they worked the longest part of the day. And so they got mad with, with the goodman of the house, and he said, listen, are you going to get mad with me because I decide to be a blessing to all? Is it not my right to do with it what I want? See, what, what God was showing me, he said, I can make up the difference. If you're following me. I'm making up the, you don't think God can make up 400 years? Yeah. Ask the children of Israel. Yeah. But a generation couldn't even enjoy it because they kept seeing themselves as a grasshopper, so they said to stay out there 40 years. All racism is is a grasshopper mentality. And I'm not a grasshopper. Amen. Second Timothy. I'm sorry, let me take you to, uh, yeah, let's go there. Go there real quick and I'll give you these points. He says, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 says, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having ancient ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Don't turn away your ears from the truth, please. Amen? Yeah. Now you're there. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, and I want to show you this, and then I want to give you what you need to do to enforce your victory. And I may fit one more story in here with you guys that I think will help you. Amen? Yeah. You know, when you go and you read all those things in Galatians chapter 5 about the works of the flesh, one of the things it brings out is hatred. Hatred is a work of the flesh. Notice the Bible called it the work of the flesh, not the work of the skin color or the work of the race. It's the work of the flesh. Mm-hmm. Give you something else to think about. Y'all remember that, that demon, uh, that man possessed with the demon over in Mark chapter 5? See, the Bible will help you put things in perspective. You know, what the, you know what the Bible says about that? That man was demon possessed. They tried to bind him in chains. Nobody could control him. And it said he was living in the, in, the, in the, what you call the cemetery, and he was cutting himself. You know what the Holy Ghost said to me? He said, if a demon possessed man, if that demon would cause him, cause that man to hurt himself. And Paul told the Ephesians church, no man ever yet hated his own flesh. So if a demon can cause a man to hurt his own, himself, cut himself up, what would a demon cause a man to do to another person? Just stop. So you don't have to wonder where it comes from. You don't have to spend all your time figuring out praying it. But guess what the Bible says? We got authority over demons. Deal with the root. What's the root? Wickedness in a man's heart. And if it's demonic influence trying to come against you, you have authority over it. So you, 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 you get mad with everybody else or you can use your authority. Which one you want to do? Amen? And some people are not going to like that. They're going to be mad about that. Okay, and if you come over here, I'll show you how to use your authority. You don't have to miss out. 
So which one you want to do? You want to have victory or you want to stay mad? But for change to take place, everybody's going to have to think different. The problem is people don't know what to think on. But I'm going to help you think on the word. Well, preacher, how can you help? You need to support. The help I have, you don't want. See, the truth of the matter is a lot of folks getting rich off this thing. And if you start talking about love and forgiveness, it's a whole lot of black folk not going to make some money. Won't get speeches. Okay, they won't get put on the chitlin circuit to make two, three thousand dollars a speech, ten thousand dollars a speech. Mm-hmm. See, I ask questions. You gotta think. The Bible will help you think right. Can I give you another one for your head? For those of you that think that we still here, it don't change. And for those of you that get upset that say we had a black president, like that's an insult. Can I help you with something? Black folk make up 13% of the population. And we know all y'all don't vote. And we know all y'all don't vote the same. So even if every black person in America voted, we couldn't vote him in office. Don't get upset because I used the name of, of a black president. Listen to me. It has, that tells me that it's some other folk that don't look like me that's thinking different. Whether I agree with, I, there's never been a president where I agree with all their policies and what they say. And while I got this out, I'm going to kick it around a little bit. It is foolish for you to think that just because somebody agrees with one thing that a person says, they agree with everything they say. Will you quit acting like that? And while we got this out, <laughs> Might as well kick that can down a little bit. So I'm gonna I'm go on and meddle since we're there. You have a, this is something that God told me. He said, "Son, you can have your opinion, or you can have my power, but you can't have both. You can have your office, or you can have my power, but you can't have both." With that being said. Be careful of the comments that you make on social media. It influences people. Whether you like it or not, whether you disagree with it or not, it influences people to action. And we should be using it to spread encouragement and, a good, news, and good news. When you realize comments are inflammatory, you should withhold those. Where's the love? When, what, what did Paul tell the Corinthian church about eating meat? It was, it was eating meat, I'm paraphrasing, but he was saying, listen, if you eat it and it's sacrificed to idols, we know it don't affect us in that way because we have that knowledge. Not everyone has that knowledge. And if that emboldens another person, the word embolden means give someone confidence to go in the wrong direction. He said, you wound their weak conscience and therefore sin against Christ. So you may have a right to do it, but when you know it's going to cause division and strife, and you may even be right about it, but when you know it's going to cause division and strife, where's the maturity? 
And social media is not the place to make that kind of comment because you know your attention span ain't but that short, and most people are not going to give you the benefit of the doubt, nor take the time to do the research, nor give you enough room to share your heart. That's correct. That's correct. That is not the place to have that kind of conversation. And when you say things being insensitive, be not acknowledge, well, it's my right to say it. This is what I believe. You go ahead. Go ahead and unlike me now. Go ahead and unfriend me now. Okay, great, but you can't influence people you refuse to talk to. You know, so when I started passing, this is something, because, you know, I learned that tradition growing up, and I don't know about anybody else. I'm not down on Baptist, but I grew up in a black Baptist church, and, they, you know, you got to give the people some gravy. You got to give them something to go on. So they say things. They say little slick things, and, and sometimes they say stuff for shock value, and here's something God told me. He said, don't do that. He said, don't say things for shock value when you're preaching my word because most people never come out of the shock to hear what you have to say. And sometimes we say things that, oh, this is going to get a, ooh, but they never recover. So the real, the real question is this. When I speak, do I want my message to be received for an opportunity to influence thought, or do I just want to speak because I have a right to say it? Go ahead, sir. Go ahead. You do what you want to do with it. But that's not the platform to do that. Because most people are not going to give you the latitude to hear your heart. Mm -hmm. Amen. Use it to influence people, to encourage people. Amen. Amen. You know, so that's, the, you know, because I, I, I got to listen. And we need intelligent people who know the word to put out things to help folk think right. So that's why I put out, I tell people what to say. Declare this with me today. Yes. Say this with me today. Because that's what sets you free. Yeah. Declaring what God said about you mm -hmm. instead of everybody else's opinion. Right. It's like an elbow. Everybody got one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Amen? And it don't help. You in 2 Timothy 3, verse 1? But understand this, that in the last days, I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. It says, but understand this, in the last, these last days will come set in perilous times of what? Of great stress and what else? And trouble and what else? Hard to deal with and hard to bear. I would say we're there. So for people, listen to this part. For people will be lovers of self, utterly self-centered, lovers of money, aroused by an inordinate, greedy desire for wealth, proud, arrogant, contemptuous bolsters. They will be abusive, blasphemous, scoffing, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. They will be without natural human affection, callous, inhuman, relentless, admitting of no truth or appeasement. People are right there today. They will be slanderers, false accusers, troublemakers, intemperate, meaning no, no self-control, loose in morals and conduct, uncontrolled, <coughs> excuse me, fears, haters of, God, of good. They will be treacherous, betrayers, rash and inflated with self-conceit. They will be lovers of sensual pleasures and vain amusements more than rather more than and rather lovers of God for although they hold a form of piety true religion they deny reject and are strangers to the power of it their conduct belies the genuineness of their profession avoid all such people now go to verse 10 he's going to he's going to tell you something see all that's there 
And people, when you hear that, you say that in a lot of church. People say, hey, man, hey, man, that's right, preacher, preach, preacher. That's what's going on. But there's instruction to come. I'm answer-minded. The problem's been here. What's the answer? Amen. It's been, you what? We've been knowing it rains for I don't know how long. How do you keep from getting wet? Build a roof. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. Now you have closely observed and diligently followed my teachings. Uh-oh. See, this is Paul telling Timothy how to behave in the church. This is what I so appreciate about Dr. Jacobs. I am free from the fear of repetition. I will tell you the same thing over and over and over again. I've had some people say, you didn't answer my question. I said, yes, I did. You just didn't like my answer. And they asked me another question. I just sit there. I already gave you the answer. You know, I try to say it five or six different ways, but after a while, I said, I said oh, you just don't like my answer. And Pastor Victoria had to remind me because we learned that by, we learned those skills working in the call center. And she'll be with me in counseling session sometimes. She'd tap me. She'd say, phone center skills, that mean be quiet. Because you gave the answer. There's nothing else to say. Now you have a choice. You can either do it or don't. See, my church knows you could cry, you could snot, you could do all of that. You come on in, you come on in the counseling session, and once we're done, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna hand you that piece of tissue, I'm gonna wipe your nose, let you wipe your nose, and I'm gonna open this Bible, and I'm gonna say, here's what we're gonna do. At the end of the day, once you finish crying, once you finish snotting, no, been there, done that. But now we got to get down with the get down. We got to go where the rubber meets the road. We, and listen, it ain't always pretty. It ain't always pretty. I can, I can feel some type of way. I had to use the love of God. People keep letting their dogs use the bathroom on my lawn. And I to you. Now, that might not be okay for you, but for me, it's been an irritant. Amen? You know? And it's like, what you got to do to get people to stop? Now, if I came outside my door and bust off about four or five rounds and say, don't use a dog, <laughs> I can't do that. Preacher, you know. And I live in the neighborhood. Everybody don't look like me, Brother Joe, so you know what's going down. I can't do that. So I had to go out there. You know, I had to put a thing on the, on the Facebook page. I said, listen, y'all, I put a picture out there. And I just said real nicely, this is what happens. When neighbors let they use, do their business on the grass. I don't own a dog. I love dogs. I don't hate dogs. I love them. We raised them. But I don't want to clean up after one. And I shouldn't have to clean up after yours. So, just letting you know that if you come and let your dog do that, my wife or myself will come out politely and ask you not to do that. Just understand that. You know, one time my mama saved me because I was coming. You know, I just finished that shift at UPS, so I'm already tired. I'm already tired. 
And my mom on the phone, and thank God she was on the phone because a guy walked by in front of me and let his dog do it. And I said, hey, man, please don't do that. Just like I'm t- talking now. Hey, man, please don't do that. Man, whatever, it's a dog. And my mom immediately said, let it go, let it go. I was like, boy, yeah, you saying to keep on walking. See, you have opportunities in everything. Let it go. And it's not worth it. Well, I'm going to go over, over some grass, really? Over some grass, really? I, I would like to teach him a lesson, but I have to let God do it. I can't do that. I let God handle that. See, then I do all that, and then I get my faith jacked up, and somebody come into church and need healing, and need, and I can't even lay hands on them because I done jacked my faith, faith up because I want to put my fist in the face of the guy that let his dog do his business on my lawn. That's too high of a cost. And that's not in me anyway. That's just the devil trying to tell me that's in me. Amen? So when the thoughts come, you just cast them down. No. Amen? See, people think, well, that's a small thing. That's why all this stuff starts, small stuff. You don't pay attention to that. You don't pay attention to the acorn till it becomes an oak tree. It's too late then. Unless you know somebody with a chainsaw. Second Timothy chapter 10, 3, verse 10. I got to stop after this right here, and I'll give you those three points. It says, now you have closely observed and diligently followed my teaching. What have you been following? Have you been following what you taught? You observe my conduct, my purpose in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, persecutions and sufferings and such as occurred to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. Persecution, I do it, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me. That's what you got to remember. See, you learned that. Verse 13, but wicked men and imposters will go on from bad to worse. It's not changing. See, I'm helping you. Deceiving and leading astray others and being deceived and led astray in themselves. Uh-oh, but verse 15, but as for you, everybody say, as for you. As for you. This is going to go on. Things are going to go on. But as for you. See, he said, this is what you need to do. You can't respond like everybody else because you're not. I can't respond as a black man. You know, my mechanic asked me, he said, I want to, my, my mechanic is Mexican, married to, uh, she's, she's Vietnamese. He's a bad mechanic. He's a bad boy. And I love my mechanic. He's good people. But he said, you know, Alvin, I want to ask you your perspective. You know, you're, 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 you're a preacher, and you're a black man. I want to ask your perspective. I said, really, my perspective is from the word. That's the only perspective I can give you. That's what helped me. So I really don't look at it as from a, I said, now, if you caught me 20 years, 25 years ago, before I knew what I knew now, oh, yeah, I'd be upset. But I know better. And I choose to think better and do better. See, knowing better doesn't automatically make you do better. You have to choose That's once you know. That's why I had you make that confession. There's plenty of people that know the truth but are not free because they don't continue in the word. You want to be free, you got to continue. And there are obstacles in the way, so? So? Keep going. Keep pushing. Keep pressing. Amen? You don't like y'all do when you don't want to see nothing on Facebook? Keep scrolling. You need to look at your neighbor and say, hey, keep scrolling. 
Amen? Amen? He said, but as for you, continue to hold to the things which you have learned. What did you learn? So let me tell you, let me tell you three things that'll help you. Uh, you got you can get up the scriptures. I'm gonna stop right here because I've been going for a while, but I want to give you these practical things. The first thing you need to do is you need to have faith in the blood. Because the blood will purge your conscience from the dead works of the past. Hebrews 9, 13 and 14. One, uh, one translation, Dr. Jacobs shared it with us. He said, purges the replays of your mind. If you really want to be set free, let the blood purge you from the replays of your mind where this racism is concerned. Because if you keep putting it in remembrance, it's going to keep you stirred up about it. You know how I know? Because Peter told the church, he said, I'll stir you up, stir up your pure minds by putting you in remembrance to do the word. So what are you going to allow yourself to be stirred up about? If I keep in remembering the pain, then I'll be stirred up about it. But if I want to walk by faith, I have to let the word, I have to keep in memory the word to keep stirring up my pure mind of the victory that I have. And that's how I live above this thing. Because it's going to get worse. Amen. When Pastor Victoria get her hair done from the beauty shop and it's raining outside, she put up the umbrella. She don't get mad at the rain. Some of y'all catch that on the way home. I'm trying to help you put up your umbrella. Amen? You know, you need to read Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 through 21 from the Amplified. It says the, the blood of Jesus strengthens us. The blood of Jesus equips us with everything good to carry out his will. The blood of Jesus makes us who we ought to be. So you got to have faith in the blood. That's the first thing you need to do. I'm telling you practical things you need to do. The next thing you need to do is you need to renew your mind. You need to change the way you think about this. Amen? You know, the psalmist said in 119, he said, Lord, I consider your word concerning everything to be right, concerning all things to be right. You have to conclude that God's word is right about this and let him tell you how to think. Somebody always trying to tell you how to think. You can read Psalm 119. This, you know, I, I, he got the scripture list. He can give it to you. But there are several references in there saying, men have set up plots against me, but I'm meditating your precepts. I will consider your testimonies. That's what you do. When people come against you, listen, they're going to form the weapon. It's not going to prosper. Right. They can rise against you in judgment. Your words will condemn them if you'll do what God tells you to do. So what? Talk. Talk. You know, when we played ball coming up, people, it was a custom that people talk trash. Keep talking. I'm going to get you the business. Keep on. I didn't buy into the talking. I just kept balling. Better shut them up. Or you can keep, keep talking, and it's not stopping me. Hmm? Amen. And then the final thing you need to do is you need to speak the word. Job 32, 20, Dad milked this. I will speak that I may be refreshed. Do you want to be refreshed? What are you saying? Are you saying how you feel? Uh, I, listen, I will not, please. And I've seen this post. You, you know, you don't feel some type of way, but just I've heard people say, well, this is what somebody's got a meme going around saying, my sweet baby, when, when, when have you become a threat? I wouldn't speak that over my child. Because the word says that when I choose life and blessing, me and my seed, we'll lead them. The word says that my seed will be blessed after me if I walk in his integrity. 
So you have the ability to release life yes. into your child's future, yes. or you can release death. The scripture says, I will be filled from the fruit of my mouth, from the increase of my lips, not what somebody else says. So the only time what others say affect my life is when I begin to adopt what they're saying about me and speaking that out of my mouth. That's a lie from the pit of hell. <laughs> you got to talk right. And you know, I think just a couple of weeks ago, Dad taught a message on seeding for your future. What your future is like? What, what, what seeds you putting in your mouth? If you plant apple seeds, you can't look for orange. I say it again because mom said it again. You can't plant apple seeds and look for orange. So you got to have faith in the blood. You got to renew your mind. You got to talk right. Amen? Stand on your feet. I'm done. Can I give you this one last story while you're standing up? My next door neighbor is Mr. Taylor. Mr. Taylor's about 83. Mr. and Mrs. Taylor have been living, been our neighbors since we moved in the house. The little young white couple, sweet as they could be. And, you know, we were, Ms., Mrs. Taylor died five or six years ago. She had Alzheimer's. And so I would periodically, just me and the neighbors, we would, I'd go check on them. Every time something go wrong with Mr. Taylor Ramon, he'd come knock on the door. Hey, can you come fix this? Now I'll show you a few things about Mr. Taylor. Mr. Taylor's older than me. He said, well, you call me Harold. I said, no, sir, Mr. Taylor. I'll call you Mr. Taylor if that's all right with you. And you know, there was times of, I remember one time Mr. Taylor was having a conversation uh, on the phone. He was talking to one of his friends. He said, and I guess they were asking him what he was doing, and I was out in the yard helping with something. He said, oh, this old boy over here is helping me. Now, if you're black and you grew up listening to good times, you know boy is a white racist word. You could get offended. But Mr. Taylor called everybody younger than him boy. See, I'm sharing part of this story to help you see you could choose how you respond. <laughs> I know that man didn't mean anything by it. His vocabulary, listen, some people, they don't have a vocabulary to ex express how they feel. Yeah, it's, it's how you say things, but it's also how you listen. You know, God told me that about dinner with Pastor Victoria because she's very direct. And I told her all the time when we get married, I said, baby, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And the Holy Ghost in his infinite wisdom would say, yeah, and it's also how you listen. She told you she don't mean it that way. See, this work in everything. So one day, you know, when Ms. Mrs. Taylor passed away, I would periodically say, Ms. Taylor, let's go get something to eat. So this one day, one Friday, I had some free time. I said, Mr. Taylor, let's go to lunch. I said, where do you want to go? He said, you like crystals? I said, Mr. Taylor, if you want to go to crystals, we'll go to crystals. So here it is, this 40-something-year-old black man, and this old white man, about 83, about 5 foot 4, and we walk up in crystals in the middle of Mount Julia. And if you could have seen the looks of people wondering, what are you doing with him and what is he doing with you? But the most strange looks I received were from people who looked like me. To be honest with you, white people saw and they just smiled and thought, ain't that sweet? 
But I saw all the couple things. What are you doing with him? I started to tell him, he's my grandpa. Now leave me alone. <laughs> I, because he, he really does remind me of my grandpa. But he's just as sweet as he could be. He cracks me up. You know, one time Pastor Nancy and them will eat dinner out at our house, and we told him, Mr. Taylor, you know, we might have some people over. So it'll be, he said, oh, you can use the parking lot. The next day he came over, he said, who's those pretty ladies that come to your house? <laughs> Pastor Victoria had to get on them. But I'm saying, she said, it was funny. <laughs> He's funny. He's a who. And so he even spent a couple of Thanksgivings with us eating dinner. But that's my neighbor. And so I go check on him. Because if somebody was standing beside my mom, I want them to check on her. I don't care who you are. And to be honest, some people I wouldn't want to check on her because I don't want her to come down and deal with you. <laughs> you follow what I'm saying? I'm saying this to say people are, people are people. I learn this everywhere I go. We got to love one another, man. Amen. We have to love one another, and you're going to have to forgive. I, I know it's, it's, and it's not deep-rooted when Christ rooted it out of you. Amen? Amen? So, say this with me. Jesus has set me free, and whom the Son set free is free indeed. I am free of hatred. I am free of unforgiveness. And the love of God flows freely in my heart. I can love like God. I'm kind like God. I'm compassionate like God. I'm merciful like God. And I forgive like God. Because the love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm done. Thank y'all for giving me that time.